Hello, LifeWell family and friends. Well, I decided to go ahead and do the Bible study a little bit early. I uh, sent out a text earlier today that indicated that I was going to go ahead and do a small Bible study online for you all. Uh, we're all freezing and probably getting a little bit of cabin fever these days, aren't we? We're stuck indoors, and you can see behind me the square is very, very chilly. Um, they've opened State Street, which we're very excited. It runs alongside the church. That will make it easier for you to park on Sunday. And of course, Sunday it will be warm and all of this will be melted off. But until then, we are waiting and uh, trying to allow the weather to change. And it will change. I was told when I first moved to Texas 30-some years ago, if you don't like the weather in Texas, wait, right? And then it will change. So you never know. I haven't checked next week, but it might be up in the 60s again. One never knows. I would like to conclude our time and the prologue of John chapter 1 this evening with a very, very brief Bible study that is only going to cover one verse. This is John 1.18, which I memorized some years ago uh, in the New American Standard Bible, the 1995 update of the New American Standard Bible. And uh, it goes like this. No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has revealed him or explained him. Here's how it is stated in the updated version of um, the New American Standard, the 2020 update. It says, no one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son, who is in the arms of the Father, he has explained him. So I went into this in a limited amount of detail uh, in the message that I was privileged to deliver to our church a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Pastor Craig uh, masterfully covered the text related to John the Baptist last Sunday, and you can access that online. Um, just go to... Uh, Go to my Facebook page and you will see that it is posted there, or I'll make it available to you in other places and uh, other ways as well. Uh, it is going to, well, actually, it's on our church Facebook page as well, if you go to the Lifeful Facebook page. But um, I will cover a few things that I covered in the sermon once again, but then I want to uh, hit a little more detail, which is what we normally do on Wednesday. So, first of all, um, let's look at a couple of words here. No one has seen God at any time. God, the only son, is how the 2020 translation has it. Um, the New American Standard Bible from 95 says the only begotten God. Well, the term there is the Greek word monogenes, and it means the one and only, or uh, related to this, it means the only son. So as I said that Sunday morning, if you are an only child, then you are a monogenes. Jesus is uniquely related to the Father in a way that you and I are not, nor ever will be. Now, as we have seen previously in John chapter 1, we can be adopted into God's family and reborn, and that will uh, bear itself out further in John chapter 3. But here, when it says the uh, the only Son, or the only begotten God, that is the Lord Jesus, of course. And then another term uh, that I would like to address here is this term uh, that is translated in the bosom of the Father, kind of an old school way of thinking things. It means right here, close to, uh, close to the Father. And once again, I covered this on Sunday morning, but it would be like someone wrapping their arm around, a, you know, 
another person and bringing them in close. It's this area. Sometimes it can even mean the lap, right? But it, it is the Greek word kolpos, and it means to be very close to. So a variety of translations render it. Um, this one says, who is in the arms of the Father. And um, I think the NIV it is that uh, states it is in closest relationship to the Father. And then another translation says, who is close to the Father's heart. All of this to help us understand that Jesus, the preexistent Son of God, who became incarnate and was named Jesus from Nazareth, and then died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, he was and is in closest relationship to the Father. And although Jesus became flesh, he became one of us, what he did not inherit from us is our distance from God, our fallen state. We are born separated from God. Jesus was always in close relationship to the Father, even as a human being, even with human limitations. So he shared our humanity in many ways. He, he wept, he got tired, um, he got angry, all of these sorts of things, but he never sinned. He was always in close relationship to the Father. The only time that that fellowship or that closeness was broken was when Jesus was on the cross and he became our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he who knew no sin became our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus became all of the sin of the world, all of the little petty peccadillo sins that you and I commit and the bigger sins perhaps that you or I have committed. Jesus became that on the cross. And during that time, Jesus himself cried out uh, from Psalm 22.1, he quoted it, and he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, I wonder, have you ever had times where you felt close to God and other times when perhaps you felt like the Lord was rather distant? Well, God never forsook Jesus, but Jesus sensed the distance that was necessary for him to literally become sin. So some preachers have gone as far as, as saying that God turned his back on his son during that time. I, I'm fairly sure that that's not accurate. God doesn't have a back, number one. Uh, of course, it's a metaphor, I understand. But number two, if you continue reading in Psalm 22, it resolves with the psalmist saying, no, Lord, you have not forsaken me. So I believe Jesus was experiencing this distance because of the horror of taking on the sins of the world. But he was encouraging himself at the same time as he was being honest, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? Okay, so that's what that uh, that word, the... Uh, in the bosom of the Father or in the arms of the Father. That is what that means. Um, and then this final word that I want to cover, it says that he has explained him. So no one has seen God at any time, but God, the only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him, or some translations will render it, he has revealed him. The word can, can mean either thing in Greek. But it, uh, as I said on Sunday morning, it is the word from whence we get our English word, exegesis, which means the proper explanation of a text. Jesus properly revealed and explained God. Now, I want to cover some other things that I have in my notes here. Um, no one has seen God. No one on earth has seen God. 
but the only son who's in the bosom of the father, he has in fact seen him. Listen to what it says or what John re records Jesus as saying in John 6, 46. Jesus said, not that anyone has seen the father except he who is from God, he has seen the father. Well, that's Jesus, right? Previously, John had referred to Moses as the mediator from whom or through whom God communicated the law. That's what he said in verse 17, right? When he said that uh, Moses brought the law, Jesus brought uh, truth to life. Jesus brought the truth to earth. Um, and uh, so from this, we can see it's, it's verse 17. Let me just properly quote it. I was dancing around it here, and obviously I wasn't calling it to mind. Verse 17 says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth. That's the word I was stretching for, grace, was realized through Jesus Christ. And then, of course, this is the very next verse. No one has seen God at any time. God, the only son who is in the arms of the Father, he has explained him. So um, I mentioned Moses here because Moses was the one through whom the law was given. Um, several times in scripture, it is written that Moses spoke to God face to face. And you'll find that in Exodus uh, 33, 11 and Deuteronomy 34, 10. And in just a moment, I'll read the passage from Exodus 33. But it is obviously, or this is obviously a, an anthropomorphism, anthropomorphism, if I can speak. Um, and what that means is when you give human qualities to something that is not human. Now, typically, we think of an anthropomorphism as being something related to uh, a lower order of being or an inanimate object or uh, your child uh, giving human qualities to a teddy bear, that sort of thing. But the same applies here. God is not human. Now, again, God became a human being in Jesus, but we're talking about the Father here. We're talking about Jesus in relation to the Father before he was incarnate. And God is not a human being. So although there are times when he is given... Um, the qualities of a human body so that we can understand. Um, for that matter, uh, the scripture also likens God to an eagle who uh, hovers over its chicks and, and hides them with its wings. Well, God is not a bird. He's not an eagle. God is not a human being. But we are made in his image. As the result, there are obviously aspects and characteristics and qualities about us um, that are embodied, that are from God, but he doesn't have a body. As Jesus will say later to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God does not have a body, although, as I said, as this text explains, God became a, a human being that had a body for that brief period of time, and now the, the resurrected and ascended Son of God still has a resurrected body. But nonetheless, it says several times in the Old Testament that Moses, whom God gave the law through, um, that he spoke to God face to face, right? At one point, however, we, we see this as an anthropomorphism, um, because at one point Moses asked to see God's glory. And the Lord permitted him in a limited way to see his glory. But he also stated that no human can see him face to face, right? So the scripture is not contradicting itself. It's helping us to understand that when it says that Moses spoke to God face to face, it's the same thing as saying that Jesus is, is in the bosom of the Father or in the arms of the Father. It is a, a way for us to understand something that is spiritual and beyond our comprehension. This is the 
excuse me, this is the passage from Exodus where uh, Moses asks to see his glory. And I want you to listen to this and uh, hear what God says back to Moses. Then Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, that is Yahweh said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of Yahweh, the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. He further said, that is Yahweh, the father further said, you cannot see my face for mankind or literally no man, no human can see my face and live. Well, because of Jesus Christ, it is possible for you and I to be close to the Lord, even closer than Moses, believe it or not. It's possible. The question is, are you willing to seek him? Are you willing to seek that out? Are you willing to seek him with all of your heart? Listen to what it says in uh, Psalm 27, 8. When you said, seek my face, the psalmist is praying to God. And he says, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, I shall seek your face, Lord. That's Psalm 27, verse 8. And then this promise uh, from God to the people of Israel and by extension to those of us that have been grafted into the olive tree of Israel. Here's the promise in Jeremiah 29, 13. Seek me and you will find me, Yahweh says, when you seek me with all of your heart. You see, what do you really want? What, what do you really desire? What are you really going after, right? The promotion, money, popularity, whatever it is. Can we really recognize that the only thing worthy of all of our energy and effort is the God who made us in his image? Well, how do we get there? How do we get to that place? As I said, Jesus maintained this perfect contact with the Father. So he didn't have to get there. He was always there before time all during his time on earth and now, okay? But you and I are born separated from God and we have to be reunited with God. We have to be redeemed. That's what Jesus came to earth to do. We have to be reconciled to God because our attitudes and our, our lifestyles are in opposition to God. Even if you don't really, listen, even if you don't really do anything that wrong, I don't really do anything that wrong, right? But unbelief is the main thing that separates us from God, just our unwillingness uh, to trust him and to love him. Um, right now, you know, I'm going through a hard time and, and, you know, I am needing to trust the Lord for, for finances, for our church and for myself. And, and I am trusting the Lord, but it causes me to have to cry out quite a bit and to ask God to give me answers, right? But... Um, the same God that says, seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Further along in Jeremiah, where I quoted uh, when I sent out our Bible verse this morning, um, he, he promises that um, great and mighty things he will show us that we do not yet know. But we need to seek him for those great and mighty things that we do not yet know. So I don't know the, the secret and the strategy to church growth, apparently. But I want to, I've always wanted our church to grow because the Holy Spirit did something that is inexplicable from human uh, methods and machinations, right? So in order to draw near to God, we have to repent of our sins, little and big. Listen to what James says, the half-brother of Jesus in James 4, 8. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Well, Jesus is the only way to relate to or approach God. So we can't just repent and expect that we're in right relationship with God. We repent in order that we can approach God through Jesus. Jesus said, once again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's this wall. Here's this barrier between us and God. We need to remove the barrier by repenting of our sin, and then we need to turn to the Lord, right? Um, Jesus testified himself that no one can know God apart from him. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. It's this closed relationship between the Father and the Son. And then the Father sends the Son, and the Son reveals, explains the Father to us, and we relate to God through the Son. And that's the only way you're going to discover who God really is and be able to enter into a relationship with him. Um, listen to what Jesus prayed concerning his disciples, where he revealed this idea of him being the only one that can uh, be in close relationship to the Father. He prayed, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that and these know that you have sent me. So he's praying. That's John 17, 25 in the high priestly prayer where Jesus is praying for you and I and for his disciples that were next to him at that moment. By the way, the previous verse, I don't recall if I gave you the reference um, where he said, all things have been handed over to me by the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. Um, and no one knows the the Son except the no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. That's Matthew eleven twenty seven. If you're keeping track, so here's the thing: people have all sorts of speculations about God. They have all sorts of ideas and concepts about God. This has been going on since the earliest days uh, of uh, of human beings thinking. Right? The Greek philosophers had concepts concerning God. Various world religions have different concepts concerning God or the gods. But apart from Christ, we have no reference for this ineffably sublime, infinitely powerful, transcendent being. One theologian said, God is utterly otherly. He is nothing like you and I. My thoughts and his, his thoughts are not alike. His ways and my ways are nothing alike. He has to reveal himself. And he's going to reveal himself in a way that we can understand. That's why he sent the only son to reveal him to us as a human being. Um, I like it this way. We, we said earlier, uh, in fact, uh, I, had, I think the last uh, Wednesday study uh, was titled, Jesus is the God-Man, Right? And we talked about the fact that he has two natures, okay? One person, but he has two natures. He has the divine nature, this oneness with God that no other being uh, shares, just the Father, Son, and Spirit. And then he has this human nature that he took on when he became uh, a human being, when he was conceived in the belly of Mary, when he was laid in the manger. He took the fullness of humanity on him and became a human being, and so he has that nature as well. So you have these two natures, and I think a good image of this is the cross, right? You have the divine nature, which is the vertical cross beam, 
and you have the human nature, which is the horizontal cross beam, right? Here, he brings the Lord down to us, brings us up to the Lord. And here, he brings us together with one another. And where the human and the divine, right in the middle, right in the middle, that's where Jesus hung and his heart was right there. So he is our, our mediator, our representative, our high priest. He's the one that we go to. He's the one that we trust. Jesus promised all of his disciples that he would bring them into perfect unity with God and each other. And this includes you if you believe and follow the only Son of God. Here's a final little bit of scripture, and we'll conclude our Bible study for today. Um, this is also from the high priestly prayer, several verses before the verse I read earlier. This is John 17, 20 through 23, and this is from the English Standard Version. Jesus prays, I do not ask for these only, that is for the disciples that were sitting around him listening to him pray, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. We're believing in Jesus or have the opportunity to believe in Jesus through the word of John, who wrote this gospel, who was sitting right there. So he asks uh, on in behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. Now, this is a beautiful verse. I in them and thou in me or you in me, that they may be perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Friends, do you know why people were impressed with the early Christians? Because they could perform miracles, um, because uh, they had principles. Well, the Greeks had principles, the Romans had principles. Uh, false prophets can perform miracles. No, the early church was such a winsome group of people, such a broad community of people who were winning many to them in spite of the persecution because they loved one another. Jesus said, love one another, even as I have loved you. So I pray that this little study this evening has been a blessing to you. I hope that you will um, encounter Jesus in a new and fresh way today. Why don't you pray uh, when this, the uh, stream is off or when the video is off, why don't you spend a little time in prayer and seek him and find him because you will if you seek him with all of your heart. God bless you. If you would like to give us feedback, uh, you can go to our website, lifewellchurch.com, and you will find uh, on the main page, there's a feedback tab, and you can click that. You can fill out that form. Uh, you can give us feedback. You can ask for prayer requests, all sorts of things like that. I hope that you are able to do this. We have a text service uh, that I use to send out information on our church throughout the week. And uh, basically, all you need to do is text the word LIFEWELL, from your phone to 94000. And if you do that, it'll drop you into that news text list, and you'll get a couple of those texts uh, from us every week.